Yeah, so you were doing some research. Yeah, uh, a lot of reading into it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> talk about one of what I read about as we go through. But it made me really fucking like contemplative about my own, about my own upbringing because I, I was raised Catholic, and so much of the stuff I was reading is so out there and so outrageous in terms of like, hey, people actually believe this. But it was just really crazy to think that I was raised in a belief system that does have ties to all this occult shit in some fashion. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, things we do in church, the ways they dress, different symbols. I was like, I, I was, I mean, it's not that far off from the culty shit you see in this movie. It just really, it really blew me away. I, uh, I remember having a conversation with someone, you know, like, way back in the day who was, you know, very... I don't think they were Catholic, just, you know, some fucking Protestant thing. Yeah. But the way I refer to, <laughs> you know, Christianity was was like a mythology. Yeah. And he was like, I've never had it, like, said to me like that. I was like, well, you think about all the Greek gods. I mean, it's just so far removed that we start calling it mythology because we don't necessarily believe in it. So someone else who may not necessarily believe in what you do would just refer to it as a mythology. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about that too, because a lot of this stuff, the particular type of Satanism that is like in this movie, um, it has a lot of references to like Egyptian gods as well in Egyptian mythology. And I, I got mm-hmm. caught up on that word too. I was like, we're calling that mythology, like the Egyptian mythology, but that was their religion. That was the dominant belief system around that time. Yeah. And uh, so it's like, it was just weird that I'm like, well, they're kind of like, a lot of Christianity and like Christian mysticism does like the what do you call that? Um, like refer to, to Egyptian mythology and stuff like that. So it, is it not saying that that stuff is also part of it and true? And those gods are real? I don't know. Look, it's confusing. I also wanted to ask Mark, a lot of it's just retelling yeah. of the same story. Yeah, exactly. Still. Yes. Oh yeah. There's a point in this where I'm going to talk about that too. But like, um, uh, were you raised in any kind of? Uh, a religious uh, household southern baptist and then when my oof, parents started oof. having marital trouble like we just stopped going to church altogether mm-hmm. so i didn't really retain any of it i don't really follow yeah. any of it uh i will i will start getting into my main point sure and my hindrance with this movie and it kind of goes into to this and what we're talking about. Oh, this yeah. Is a I, lot I know of what you're saying. Fucking, I, I already know. This is just a lot of rich people. This is, <laughs> you're fucking rich. You don't have a lot else to do. Oh, oh boy. I'm just going to start studying Satan. One of, my favorite, one of my favorite lines in this movie has to do with rich people. And it's it's so good. Um, okay. Yeah, we'll just get into what's introduced. Currently, you are listening to the weekly podcast Massacre. And guess what? It's September 2, the return of Satan. Um, September last year was one of my favorite months to do, and we just wanted to come back to it and talk more about the big man himself, the big man downstairs, as uh, we should be calling him, uh, Satan. It is probably the best theme title we've ever come up with, so why not try (laughs) to use it again? (laughs) Well, you didn't like uh, Two Lie? Assimilation August? Well... No, but uh, I, yeah, we're really excited to be back to September. My name is Greg from Los Angeles. I am your host for today. This was my pick. And uh, with me is... I'm Michael from Portland, but everyone calls me Murphy. Uh, sadly, today, our circle is broken. 
you could say. And uh, mm-hmm. Kayla's not here with us. Um, she'll be back next week. And uh, it was kind of funny. Like during our last record, I we had already watched um, The Devil Rides Out, so like uh, we were <laughs> we actually did discuss that rides out a bit as we were waiting for you to like solve some technical stuff and so like i did have a talk with kale a little bit so maybe i'll pepper in some of what she said mm. um okay and then uh who knows maybe we should make a surprise appearance maybe she'll fade into existence like a demonic spirit we'll see or maybe uh, this all whole episode will turn out to be like a dream yeah maybe we'll travel happened, through time but it never really did happen yes. but it didn't happen yeah i, I kind of love the way they put that we'll, we'll talk about that oh my god but yeah we are talking about like one, one line that they're like oh it can do time temporal displacement and you're like oh okay whatever oh we'll get to it but christopher lee sells the shit out of it i will say uh, we are yeah. talking about 1968's The Devil Rides Out, our third Hammer movie for this podcast after uh, The Lodge and Vampire... No, what was the fuck was it called? Twins of Evil. The ev- uh, the Twins of Evil, yes. Yeah. Um, this is a bit before Which I will Twins say, of Evil. Better? Even though Twins of Evil was pretty stuffy, this was mega stuffy. Yes. Uh, hey, be careful. The actresses are listening... <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna find out we call them stuffy and get offended even though i think that's like what this this is going for in a way uh yeah so uh this is yeah another hammer film this is a bit before twins of evil this is kind of around their heyday um twins of evil as we discussed in the episode they were really really leaning into sexuality and gore as selling points for these movies because um it's kind of interesting this one was uh, pretty rare for Hammer in that it was a financial success. I mean, they had financial successes before with like Dracula and Frankenstein and all that, but it was also well received by critics. And I think a reason is that it does tone down the gore and sexuality. Um, it's not as explicit as other Hammer films, which usually is the drawing point for them. But this is an interesting one where it's it's more, and I think this is actually the influence of Christopher Lee. Um, but it's actually more straightforward in terms of just being like kind of an action adventure movie with some horror elements to it. Um, I would say it's not so much like, you know, there's a lack of cleavage like there usually is in hammer movies. True. And true. I did I th- notice that. I think zero blood. I would say there's zero blood in this movie, which like a calling card for hammer is that bright red blood, you know? They sacrifice a goat at one point. Oh yeah, and then oh, throw that's it a, all over Tanith. Yes, actually, I love that. You're yeah. right. Good call. Good call. Um, because yeah. then, yeah, her she has it on her dress for the rest of yes. the movie. Uh, so to give a little background on this movie, I think it has a pretty interesting history. Um, so Christopher Lee was one of Hammer's main players and one of their biggest draws, uh, but he was only playing villains up to this point, except for like I think maybe uh, Hound of the Baskervilles, where he plays like one of the heroes. But um, he was primarily known for playing Dracula. He had played Frankenstein. He played the Mummy for them. He played a, a host of other villainous roles like Rasputin. Um, and he was very publicly sick of it. He did not want to be typecast as a villain. He wanted to prove that he had range and could play, as he put it, a quote-unquote normal character. Um, whether this guy is normal or not, we'll discuss, but we'll, yeah. Well, uh, I, just thinking of all of his, like, big ones that that even i know because i don't know a lot of yeah his older credits but thinking i mean obviously saruman mm-hmm. is bad uh 
Gremlins 2, he's a bad guy. What's the other big one? I mean... Count Dooku. Yeah. Count Dooku is bad guy. But yeah, there, I mean, everything that we've known him as, he kind of was like, yeah, I'll settle yeah. into this role. I do think Tim... Pay, I think bucks. Tim Burton typically put him in, in slightly different roles. Like, he's got smaller roles in, like, Sleepy Hollow and uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, but he's not a villain in those, That's I would right. say. Yeah, he does yeah. have like a. He actually has a pretty tender moment in Charlie the Chocolate Factory, weirdly. Um, but uh, yeah, he's the villain. He's, he's, he's a Bond villain. In the he's flashbacks. A, yes, that's well. That's the other one I was going to get into was Bond. That yeah, he, he is Scaramanga. He is the man the, with three nipples. The titular man with the golden gun. Yeah. Well, uh, I always call that movie the man with three nipples. <laughs> yeah, here the Ian Fleming. You fucked up. You. Didn't get the, <laughs> yeah. the title right. Uh, speaking of Ian Fleming, to go into a bit more background, uh, he'll we'll get the Ian Fleming in a second. But uh, Christopher Lee was a huge fan of the novels by Dennis Wheatley, um, who wrote The Devil Rides Out and uh, many other occult books in the 30s through the 60s. He had a long writing career, and he cranked out a shitload of espionage books, occult books, and combinations of the two, espionage and occult books. Um, he had a long-running character called the Duke de la Richelieu. I'm fucking that name up. I'm going to call him Nick because mm-hmm. his name is Nicholas. But um, So he uh, he wrote a ton of stories with this guy. Christopher Lee was a fan of him. Christopher Lee also was seemingly a believer in black magic. And so he was urging Hammer for a long period of time. We should adapt The Devil Rides Out. We have to warn people about Satanism. That seemed to be his, like, driving force behind wanting to adapt this movie. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so Hammer was, like, you know, as Chris Reilly's getting more popular, he was really upset about having to come back to play Dracula. He played him for a second time around the same, uh, around this year. And so he was, like, as a compensation, they're like, okay, we'll make, if you play Dracula, we'll also let you do the devil rides out and so that's kind of how this came to be and christopher lee seemingly had a lot of creative influence on this movie and uh it was directed by terrence fisher who is easily hammer's best and most popular director he directed those Hmm. reimaginings of dracula and frankenstein and several of the entries after that for each one he directed a ton of movies for hammer and was kind of known as a journeyman for a while, but uh, eventually, you know, I think as the years go on, people sort of realize he has his own distinct voice and style to him. Terrence Fisher was also a very religious person. It seems like Christopher Lee probably was. Peter Cushing definitely was. And it comes through in a lot of Hammer movies, which might be a turnoff for some people. Um, but this the one... The sincerity behind this one, it. Yeah, this one especially... Yes. Uh, out of any other... Out of... Uh, more so than any other Hammer movie I've seen, this has a religious bent to it. So clearly, this is your first time seeing it. This is also my first time seeing it. This one I had not gone around to so far. Um, I I just want to know. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, middling. Oh, more more down, definitely. Oh. Like there there are some like nice moments within it. Again, my biggest problem is that it's just fucking rich people. Even like one of my first notes is there when they're in the car, Christopher Lee has a chauffeur hose that he speaks into I love from it. the back it's seat. So fucking weird. To then, right to so they, 
Because there's the separation between him and the driver, and he doesn't want to have to, like, slide a window or anything. Yeah. It's, you know, they fight Satanist in three-piece suits. Like, (laughs) I just, it's hard to identify. I need a working class hero. Like, I don't. Yeah, I Peter say, Cushing was like the crazy religious guy, but we had that one guy yeah. in Twins of Evils. You could relate to like, oh, he loves that the bad twin, but you know he's a working man. Yeah, I will say I think there are other a lot of the other movies that I've seen typically do have less of a focus on the aristocrats than like this one did. Um, there mm-hmm. is like a working class guy, or there's like a lowly priest who's called up to action, or something like that, in some of them. Um, you know yeah one of my other notes is uh rex rex a car and instead of being like can i or he just like hits a tree and instead yeah. of being like can i fix this can i back up he just uh he doesn't even bother he just abandons it because he hey, knows well, i have no idea what to do here time kind of is of the essence at that point so you know uh that one i can understand uh what's so we're gonna go through the plot um and uh, <laughs> I have a lot of uh, other notes to talk about, but I would just say generally at the top of it, uh, I enjoyed this movie, but the more research I do into Dennis Wheatley, uh, the guy who wrote the book, uh, the, the more I kind of see in this film that is fucking problematic or fucked up. Uh, Dennis Wheatley was a openly very conservative person and mm-hmm. um, really fucking hated communists like saw communism mm. as like backed by satanists like truthfully believed not it just was... a red herring oh yes, yeah. yeah exactly um my cat is fucking peeking up behind my desk and so i just, he was just looking right in the eyes as i was talking it was weird uh so he a black cat yes exactly so oh i didn't even fucking mention this was written by richard matheson Richard Matheson uh, is the author of I Am Legend. Adapted the, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, author of I Am Legend, which is my favorite books, and I'm a huge fan of him. He wrote a ton of Twilight Zone episodes. He wrote the episode of The Gremlin on the Wing. Um, he wrote okay. a couple of Star Trek. Terror at yeah. 10,000 feet? Something like 20,000? Yeah, whatever, one of those. Uh, yes. So he wrote a lot of great stuff. Richard Matheson wrote a ton of movies as well. Um, and uh, yeah, well, let's just get into it. So, we begin with a plane landing. We meet our two main characters. Uh, we have Nicholas, a.k.a. Duke de Richelieu, played by Christopher Lee. And we have Rex, Rex Van Rin, played by Leon Green. A really weird thing is that Leon Green is completely dubbed over by a separate actor. And I would not... Yeah. Somehow I did not notice until I read it later. And then I watched this movie a second time. I was like, oh, you can see it. Yeah, it's weird. It's very slight, but there were times I was like, I don't think that's him. Yeah, and weirdly... And I will say one thing about Chris Lee real quick is that in this movie, he looks like he would be a Satanist. Like, he looks like what I would imagine um, Anton LaVey would normally look like. I think the ending kind of steps on this idea, but I got the sense at one point that it was maybe intentional... Because he's a pra- mm. he's a fucking practitioner of magic too in this movie. There's no way around it, and right. he is like yelling at Simon about getting involved in magic. I'm like, well, here you are casting spells, motherfucker. <laughs> like, what room you do you have to know talk? This stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
weirdly, I was reading that Dennis Wheatley in the, like the in the prologue to uh, to Devil Rides Out, he wrote like a, a note to the readers of like, please don't study this stuff. I've studied it for you, so you don't have to. I'm giving you all the facts. Like, don't look any further, though. <laughs> but I'm doing it. Um, he also well, apparently I... had lunch with Alistair Crowley to like get a sense of what oh, these guys were doing. Yeah. 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 I I do really like the one thing the the bad guy says, who I didn't I it took me a while to notice that he's the guy from Rocky Horror Picture yeah. Show. But eventually he talks about is like there's no good or bad magic. It's just it's there and it's yes. depending on how you use it. Totally. Or oh. like your morality is think... how you were going to judge it. I think that scene is the highlight of the fucking movie. I'll discuss yeah. further in depth later. But like um, to go over the rest of the cast, we have Patrick Mower as Simon Aaron, who's like their young ward, the son of a friend of theirs um, that they have become friends with themselves. Uh, we have Nikki Arigi, Ar- Arigi, I don't know how I pronounce her name, as Tanith Carlisle. You have Charles Gray as Mokata, our villain. And yes, he's the, the narrator from... Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Also, mm-hmm. uh, in two Bond movies, uh, he's Blofeld in Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, that make that would make sense. Yeah, and then so he we plays got multiple a, Bond things. Yes, and then he plays a different role in uh, You Only Live Twice. You know, j- real quick, as we're talking Bond, I did write down on my notes, like, Christopher Lee punches a guy, and like a full-on action star, and I wrote down, why was he not Bond? That like, I know he was the cool. villain at some point. He but... was also friends with Ian Fleming. Oh, that's the Ian Fleming thing I was getting to, was that uh, 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 a lot of Dennis Wheatley's spy novels had a huge influence on Ian Fleming for writing Bond. Okay. Because of the, that returning character sort of thing, the different espionage, like, you know, journeys yeah. that they would go on. A new case each book. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and yeah, Christopher Lee was friends with Ian Fleming. I think they were in, they served in the military together during World War II, I believe. I, could I be feel wrong like I've that. heard that. And I think part of James Bond is based off of Christopher Lee. Part of it is based off of Roald Dahl, weirdly enough, because he was also, like, working at espionage during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all these guys, all these, like, British, like, rich dickheads kind of knew each other. I-, I love Christopher Lee as an actor. The more I learn about him, it seems like he probably identified a lot with Dennis Wheatley's politics and was friends with neighbors mm-hmm. with him. I don't know how if he was a good person. I guess that I don't know. But hey, fucking fantastic screen presence. I love Christopher Lee. So I don't know. Complicated. Uh, so immediately we learn that they are expecting their friend Rex to be there too, but he's not. And uh, Nicholas explains that he has purchased a new house recently and has not been seen in months. So they're going to go investigate this house. Yes, he talks into his fucking car tube to his driver. Uh, uh, I, you said Rex. They're They're missing Simon. Yes, it's Nick right. and Rex, and they're missing Simon. Simon bought a new house. Yes, thank you. So uh, I actually really do appreciate how this the plot just gets going right away. Minute five, we're entering a house full of Satanists, and uh, there's a really good moment where like Rex, as he does often in this movie, blows her fucking cover or just fucks up the plan and blurts out, "We're not members of the Circle," and everyone gets suspicious. Right. And then uh, Christopher Lee's like, "We're going to be asked to leave." But he's going to go gather some info first. So I really There's like... There's more than 13 people here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I really like the scene where he's going around eavesdropping in the conversations. First of all, I like the moment where he picks up a candle and lights a cigar with it, which is just fucking cool. Uh, but then he's going around, like, and it's like all in one shot, but he's listening to all these conversations between people talking about magic and Satanism. A weird thing about this that I keyed in on after I read more about Dennis Wheatley... Um, 
every person that he's eavesdropping on is a foreigner. They're either German mm. or they are Indian or black. Like it's uh, mm. it's very weird. Um, something I noticed. Uh, so he he gets confirmation that this is a satanic cult. Essentially, Simon tells them they're gonna have to leave, but he's like, "Hey, I want to see your telescope first. And he just goes upstairs. Uh, so <laughs> they enter this telescope room, which, oh boy. I love the set design of this fucking movie. I think it's brilliant. It is really good. Um, but you have all sorts of satanic imagery on the walls. A giant goat head on the floor surrounded by a pentagram. Kind of like what's on my mug here. Well, I do just love how Simon is trying to play it off as just like random decoration. It's like, like, oh, it's yeah. whatever. It's on the wall. <laughs> yeah. And then Crispy's like, well, it's on the floor as well. And like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The whole uh, part of those, like, I mean that aren't me pulling the collar. collar yes yes exactly yeah um but i did learn so that symbol that's on the floor it's also one of the it's very similar to what's on my coffee mug here um this i mean i kind of knew this but it's a symbol of baphomet baphomet mm-hmm. i i got so into the weeds of the history of baphomet where the name comes from i learned that it possibly it's unknown but it possibly started as a different translation of the name muhammad so a lot of anti-Satanist stuff might be rooted in anti-Muslim uh, sentiments mm. way back when. That's just that's an interesting aspect I picked up on. Uh, so, yeah, Simon's trying to be coy about all this. It's not working. We hear a scratching from inside a closet. And this is so fucking funny. Christopher Lee, like, rips the closet open. There's a basket. He tears the top of the basket off. And there's two chickens being hit in this in this. Uh, in the closet, a black cockerel and a white hen, as Christopher Leader says. I love says. This is so funny. The this final is like, proof was in the yeah, hamper. But this is like, exactly, this is like finding your kid's porn in his room. <laughs> and my first thought, if I found a basket with chickens in it in, my, in a friend's closet, he was trying to keep hidden, it would not be, he's a Satanist. It would be, he's fucking these chickens. That would be my first thought. You know? I, well... I mean, Greg, you're not from the South. Chickens are not the go-to animal. <laughs> okay. Honestly, okay. the goat would probably be the better. But, you know, a sheep <laughs> is more what you're looking for. If, if you know, they have a giant sheep head, you know, yeah. on the walls and the floor, and then you find one in the closet, then you're like, mm. Okay, okay, that's good to know. So we have then a great moment where, you know, Christopher Lee is like, chastising Simon he's like well let me stay if it's just an astrological society you know and he tells him like I you know he has a sense he doesn't he threaten to, he says I almost wish you were dead rather than like researching black magic so uh it's real yeah. harsh yeah it's it's pretty harsh but then he goes even harsher and he just fucking clocks Simon just punches him out right um sucker punch Yes. Uh, and then this is the thing I love, like, Rex is then carrying him. Yeah. And Rex still has no idea what's going on. Like, nothing's <laughs> been explained to him. Yeah, he's just, like, he playing just with the te- He's with just, it. like, playing with the telescope while the chicken stuff's going on. Yeah. Every time he's just like, I don't know, whatever. I, I do like, I think Leon Green plays a pretty lovable dumbass in Rex. He's pretty fun. Um, So they take him back to, I think they take him to the empty house of his niece and nephew but i don't know for certain i don't know i get kind of confused in the locations maybe it is duke de la Rouge, nicholas's house i think yeah i think it might be his house at yeah this point so he hypnotizes him i actually really like the shot of christopher lee holding the mirror with like simon's face below it i think it's a really cool framing right there 
uh, but basically he tells him you're going to go to sleep and, you know, you're going to wear this holy cross as protection. So he, he sends him upstairs. Um, then he starts telling Rex more about Satanism and the cult. And he's like, the power of darkness is real. You know, uh, it's it's very dangerous. And um, there's a fucking awesome moment as we're talking where it cuts back upstairs and the cross around Rex's neck That's starts right. to constrict. I really fucking like that scene. That's really creepy. Where it starts well, to strangle isn't him. Well, it like he he himself is then tightening it around his neck, like he's twisting his wrist or something. To yeah, do he it has to the him. Con- yes, he's yeah. like under control, right? And then his other hand and is then, like trying to get it out. Yeah, and then right, it's Chris yeah. Lee's fucking butler again. It's, I think it's Max or something like that. Yeah, it's just uh, characters. He's probably the poorest character in the whole movie. Yeah. Is the butler. Yeah, there's actually two different butlers, and plus maybe a driver. I don't know if that's a separate character that's or not, true. but yeah. Uh, so he takes the cross off. He comes down and he tells him, he's like, hey, uh, I should get this back to you. They go back upstairs, and of course, uh, Simon's gone. So they go back to the house to investigate. It is pretty creepy in the dark as they're, look- as they're looking around. They decide to investigate the astrological room. There's, uh, there's a great moment where Christopher Lee just finds the chickens again. He's like, well, at least we saved you two. Still there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that moment. Uh, as they're talking more, this is where Nick says that to become a baptized member of the Left Hand Path, uh, one must take a new name, usually the name of a notable past occultist. And he says, like, take Tanith, for example. It's the name of the moon goddess of the Carthaginians. So, I did a little research on basically every mm-hmm. specific Christopher Lee said in this movie. The moon goddess Tanith <laughs> of the Carthaginians was um a kind of war goddess possibly she had like a partner deity that uh, it is rumored and and speculated by archaeologists that they perform child sacrifices to this moon goddess so it makes sense that she would be like an occult figure um so that's who tanith is uh this is then where they also find a book called the clavicle of solomon I, of course, looked this up, too. It's just a famous spell book. It's a famous occultist spell book. Um, there's a moment, too, where he's like, what's it made of, cork? And I thought they were going to reveal it was made of human flesh, but they don't go that far. Uh, they never explain that book. He's just like, he just name drops it and then moves on. I think it was just kind of like a right. moment of flexing their occult knowledge. Then suddenly, the lights kind of dim out. They talk about how cold it is in this room. And a demon just fades into existence. I kind of, It's kind of a low-rent effect. He kind of fades in like in like negative colors and then like pops into existence, but I kind of like that. Um, maybe uncomfortable that it's a black actor playing this demon. I don't know. The only yeah, black actors it's... in this movie are either Satanist or this demon, you know? Right. <laughs> and you know, there's only one goat man actor, and he's playing the devil. What's what's with this movie? Yeah. Like, what the hell? You're right. He's white. Aristocrats, <laughs> aristocrats in Britain. Why can't our quality? There's so many good goat act, goat men actors out there, and then your only cast is Satan. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, or thanks Mr. for or Mr. Thomas. Uh, Lamb. Yeah. Lamb came recently, and we've yes. had like real representation in goat people acting. Yeah, I can't believe that in the what year did Chronicles of Narnia come out? They had James McAvoy. In 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 goat leg, two thousand four. Yeah, just real problematic. He, you can't be doing. 
You can't be yeah. doing goat leg these days. Come on. No, no. All of those horrible photos of Justin Trudeau with goat hooves. <laughs> oh, my God. God damn. Uh, <laughs> it was the 90s. It was an acceptable <laughs> joke. Uh, okay. Um, so the demon fades into existence. I really like this scene, even if it's problematic. Uh, the eyes get all weird. The demon actor is really good, just smiling at him all big, and then getting a little serious and smiling again. Um, and Christopher Lee's like, don't look in the eyes! But of course, Rex does, because he's a fucking idiot. And he starts to get entranced. Christopher Lee then just fucking hucks across at it, and it vanishes. Um, and at this point, I just appreciate Rex is just like, yep, I'm in. I believe it. It's all I. It's all true. I'm in. Um yeah. I guess, yeah. but it seems now that the all they have to do is like throw something at it. Like later yeah. they have is like, oh, I just throw water. Oh, yeah, it becomes now it's a gone. little. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say the actual like yes, the actual like action of this movie ends up being a little disappointing for how the scenes are set up. I think the setup for each scene of the, of these is great, and then yeah, it's a little disappointing how they kind of get past it all. Well, right. I mean, we're coming right up to it, but one of my other notes is that they have, like, a Fast and Furious car chase moment <laughs> where them going over a puddle is, like, a point of drama. Oh, yeah. And, like, contention. Like, like in today's movies, it would be Vin Diesel falling off the bridge, landing on a car. Like, that is the, yes. like, oh, of course that happens. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, where are we? Here we are. Oh, yes. Okay, so on the drive back... They are talking more about what just happened, and Nick is talking about, uh, Nicholas is saying that Mokata is the one who's running everything. He says he might be an Ipsimus, Ip, 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 Ipsissimus, there we go, Ipsissimus, a practitioner of the highest order. Uh, I looked into Ipsissimus, and it is Latin, and it vaguely translates to own very self. Essentially, what I think mm. it means is that it is somebody who is so... Uh, focused on themselves and is so like so themselves they can then, then exert that will over others it's just a weird translation of that term okay but, and uh, they seem to do that later with yes. like he just hypnotizes people yes uh, but it is a term I think was coined possibly by Aleister Crowley as he was kind of laying out like the different levels of mysticism and things like that um like a Jim Jones type? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like a cult leader. Yeah, totally. Someone whose like, personality is so great and so big, it now is affecting others. Yeah. Uh, so this is then where they say it's the uh, the next day is April 30th, the eve of May Day, which is a very important um, occult holiday, and a, a, great, a grand sabbat will be held that night, which is where the baptism will take place. So... Uh, somehow Nicholas, he calls a bunch of hotels or something, and he locates uh, uh, Tanith. It's a very weird thing where he's like, okay, you go get her. I'm gonna go to the British Museum and do some research. Um, yeah. And fucking Rex just, go, just goes and picks her up. It's not like he has to locate her and convince her. Just like, I just cuts them in the car. And she's like, oh, are you gonna tell me what we're doing? And I'm like, you got in this fucking car and went for a drive without knowing what is going on? It's it's really weird. Um, I want to shout out a great channel, a YouTube channel called Dark Corner Reviews. Uh, it's a British reviewer, and he focuses a lot on different Hammer movies. He makes really great video essays about Hammer and other horror movies. But he was talking about um, uh, with Christopher Lee's character being this like 
it seems like the danger is always lessened when he's around. It's maybe a problem with the tension mm. of this. Is that he just has an answer for basically everything that happens, except for the sure. very end. And so it's, it's just a common thing where you you have to get him out of the way to build tension because if he's there, he's going to solve the problem. He called it the Gandalf problem. It's like several times in Lord of the Rings, Gandalf just fucks off for very you know vague reasons. And that puts the group in danger because they don't have his power to help them. Right. So they he don't called, have their heavy. Yeah. So he called the he called these the Gandalf moments anytime Christopher Lee is just like I gotta go for a bit and just like disappears. Um. So in the car, you know, at first Tanith thinks that Rex is a member of the circle, but he makes it clear he's not. She's like, hey, we're not gonna question my, you know, uh, my loyalty to to makata here right and he's like well but well there's still time for you to not be baptized and be saved and things like that she tries to jump out of the moving car and he's like hey hey, (laughs) don't do that (laughs) um and then she's like okay sure i skipped over my favorite one of my favorite lines though when they're laying out the plan like you go pick up tanith i'm gonna go to bridge museum like rex starts to leave then he's like turns around he's like uh can i borrow a car and christopher literally waves his hand he's like yes take any of them it is yeah. so fucking well delivered, exactly. But I, that's the self-aware moment to me, though, where it's like, yeah, he's just that fucking rich, and it's like, we're not you really got to talk about it, but it's like a weird self-aware moment. Yeah, uh, but I, I love that line. Christopher Lee's delivery is so fucking good. Uh, so as they're as Rex is trying to say, like, hey, you know, we can save you. Uh, Tanith uh, sees Bacada's eyes in the rearview mirror. I really like this. This is cool. And he's like, Tanith, listen to me. I'm going to get you out of this. I swear, I'll, I'll save you. We also learned she has not been baptized yet. Tanith is just the name she was given at birth. So her parents also must have been into some freaking Are Satanists. Yeah. Totally. This is where we meet um, the, the niece. I think it's the niece of, of uh, Nicholas and her husband. Uh, we have Sarah Lawson as Marie Eaton and Paul Eddington as Richard Eaton. And then uh, Rosalind Lander as their uh, daughter, Peggy. So they're all waiting. I love, um, yeah, they just like, kind of show up and they're like, oh, yeah. we, we, you got you to gotta help us. And they're like, yes. okay, sure. There's a cute no, little not scene Not a lot of here. explanation. Yeah, there's a cute little scene where they're like, you know, Peggy, you got to wash up. And she's like, can I wait for Uncle Rex to arrive? Uh, I'm not going to do that voice anymore for Peggy. <laughs> but, and again, uh, it's, it's rich people. Like, they're yes. so fucking bored. Some people show up and say they're running from Satanists, and they're like, well, by golly, I wasn't doing anything else. Why not? Let's just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, we'll have our butler, like, set up a whole fucking pentagram on the floor for us. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, um, what, yeah, I, we didn't see them draw the pentagram. I bet they made you, the butler do it. You see Christopher Lee, like, doing the finishing touches on it. Okay. Yeah, last, you see him, okay. like, connecting the last part of it. Yeah. But the butler's the one that had to move all the furniture out of that room. He, did, he literally did the heavy oh. lifting. Yeah. He's the one that's going to have to clean that off the floor, too. Yeah. Uh, we have a that's giant dissolving spider right body. We have to... Yeah, you got to throw that out. Yeah. So, uh, as soon as the Rex arrives, he gets out and greets them. Tanith just steals the fucking car and drives off. Uh, I love so he's it. like it's so, so then I, another line where Rex is like, I had to borrow your car! And he just jumps in Rich's car and drives away. Uh, pretty funny line from Peggy. She's like, well, they didn't stay long, did they? I was like, yeah, that's kind of funny. I like that. Um, I actually do like this chase. I think this chase is pretty cool. Uh, it's not often you see chases in, like, 1930s cars like this. 
you know maybe think of temple of doom or something yeah like the the cars are really nice uh but again it's just the drama is going yeah. she is in front of him and she goes over a puddle and the splashback on hey, him back then in those cars that's a real thing you had to be wary of I, I guess um i do like you see like these cars go over a little like little jumps and stuff too like it's pretty i think it's pretty good the rear projection though when they're driving is pretty poor even for a movie at this time um, I think in general the effects in this movie aren't like great. There's one or two moments where they work for me, and then like other times where it's like, uh, yeah, we'll I don't know. Get to the spider, but there was a couple shots where it was it wasn't even like on a miniature set exactly. or anything. Yes. It was on the set, and you yep, can tell just the, on the floor the perspective and it's a, yeah, of the exactly. spider. Uh huh. Uh, so we have more of Makata's eyes appearing during this, and he's like, listen to me, Tanith, follow my instructions, I'll save you. Uh, pretty cool that, like, I just, out of nowhere, through magical means, Rex's windshield just fucking cracks, and you can't see anything. Mm-hmm. And he has a pretty badass ear. He just doesn't fucking. hesitate. Does not hesitate, just punches straight through the fucking glass. Like, I, I, I do kind of, I love that. Um. Mad respect. Yes. So then a fog appears. He drives into the fog, immediately gets fucked up and crashes his car to a tree. Uh, like he said, doesn't do anything. Just gets up and leaves it there. Uh, he knows he can't do anything. Richard, <laughs> Richard's he car. He not fix it. Yeah, exactly. So he tries to flag down another passing car, but it's being driven by this woman that they just called the Countess, who we briefly met at the party earlier. She's got a great look to her, too. She kind of has the Columbo thing going on with her eyes. Where, like, no. Her eyes are yeah. totally like together. Yeah. Uh, but she just like almost runs down Rex. And he has a great action hero role getting out of the way. Um, he follows, though. He kind of follows his car. And he comes upon a house where he sees a bunch of other similar cars parked in the driveways. So he hides in the trunk. And his procession of cars drives out to the woods where there's a fucking robe robe orgy going yeah. on uh, this is where they're sacrificing the goat to do yes. the baptisms before yes. the the bigger ritual later on right so he goes and he finds a phone uh very pretty lucky that there is a phone nearby and he calls uh nicholas incredible reaction of uh christopher lee on the phone here where he's just like sitting at a desk with the phone and he answers it, and I have it written down. He just goes, hello, Rex, what? And then it cuts away. <laughs> and then he's like, crossroads, okay, I'll be there. And like he takes off. Uh, I just love that. It's clear that they just shot that in isolation with, like, you know, Christopher Lee having to, like, react, whatever. Uh, I love that, though. But yeah, nice spurts of blood from the goat like, into the chalice and then pouring it all over Tanith. It's pretty fucked up. Uh, Christopher Lee makes it there. I guess this is occurring basically, you know, a couple blocks away from where he is because he gets there pretty quickly. And um, they're like watching over this. Uh, I think in the book, this is explicitly is an orgy and they're all wearing animal masks. Now they're just kind of dancing Hot around damn. wildly. Yeah. They're just kind of like grooving on each other. You know, this like movie could have jumped a whole like two stars. Exactly. There is a great shot though of like a random woman we don't know is like dancing on simon and he's kind of looking uncomfortable uh but yeah they're all like drinking and like having a good time and then just out of nowhere like a goat man just fades into existence on top of the altar like just like pops in and uh 
this we is get where to him. He's here. Nicholas, Nicholas is like the goat of Mendes, the devil himself. And of course, I had to look into. I had never heard the phrase goat of Mendes, but that's what this is. It's in addition to being Baphomet. Okay. Another name for Baphomet is is the goat of Mendes. Mendes is the Greek name of Egyptian city where it is thought that they worshipped goats in some capacity, possibly mated with goats to produce goat people, which is where you get mm-hmm. the image of a goat man from. Uh, okay. Potentially. I could be wrong about all this, but that's kind of what I surmise from my research. But this is the de- this is the devil they're trying to worship. This is him. This is Satan. Yeah. And uh, it gets a little weird later because they invoke another name for a different person later, but whatever, we'll get to that. So uh, the actor playing uh, the devil... Oh, fuck, I had his name written down, I thought. Anyway, but he's Christopher Lee's stunt double. And so uh, Ah. maybe a bit of intentional casting there. I The Dark Corner Reviews, I'll shout him out again. They pointed out that over the course of the movie, Nicholas does himself potentially form a cultic circle. He's teaching these people magic. He's their mentor. He is their leader. He is Makata's kind of counterpart. And so, synthesis, yeah. Yes. And so I'm one I do wonder if the casting of the stunt double as the devil is potentially, you know, saying something. Also, too, this poster for this movie, which is pretty fantastic, is of this this uh goat man. And uh I thought when I looked at the poster and I saw Chris Lee's name and the goat man, I'm like, oh, he's playing the devil. But that's not the case. Nope. But the, the mm. stunt double just looks like him, so yeah. Uh so they're like He's like, oh, if only we had some light. And Rex is like, oh, I got it. We'll drive a car at Satan with the headlights on, and we'll fucking huck a cross at him. It's like a weird Mad Max moment where like Rex is like standing in the car at the cross, and Lee's driving. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Great reaction shot of the devil, and the light comes on him. He's just like, what the fuck? Like he looks shocked and like doesn't know what's going on for a second. Um, it's so, so yeah, weird he- that it's it it's so easy to defeat Satan <laughs> in this in this movie. <laughs> I know, yeah. And the devil appears halfway into this movie, like halfway through. Does not appear again. That's it. Banished by a cross thrown at him. Yeah. Uh, So they drive off with Simon and Tanith. In the confusion, they manage to nab him. They retreat to the Eaton's house. Uh, They put Tanith to bed. Rex immediately is hitting on her, still. You know, it's just like, hey, we got you out of there. And it's like almost going to kiss her. Um, downstairs, uh, Nicholas is filling in the Eaton's on what's going on. They have weird dietary restrictions suddenly. They, like, tell him, like, oh, only eat, like, some small fruit, maybe a biscuit or two, no alcohol. Richard seems very bummed out by that, and, like, Nicholas is like, I'm sorry. Um. Well, he's rich. He's, like, a functioning alcohol. Well, we don't know functioning, but, yes. like, I'm sure he's an alcoholic. I do like, because this is another moment where it happens, where, um... Nicholas just like the way they drop this occult information, it does feel so genuine coming from Christopher Lee. He says all of it so matter of factly that you just buy everything he says. Because this right. is the point where he says like Tanith and Rex or Tanith and Simon basically have no resistance to Makata because they've been around him so much, they've been talking to him, they're under his, his influence. He has a control over them. Me, we can't and, leave them alone. Yes, we can't leave them alone. Me and Rex. We have some slight resistances, but because we've been around the cult, our our resistance is kind of lessening. You guys, the Eatons, you're fresh to all of this. You have the most resistance right now. I kind of just like the way he lays it all out. Um, And that's going to come back later with a different character, too. Uh, Again, another Gandalf moment. Nick is like, I have to fuck off. I can't be here. 
but keep watch over the other two. Make sure they're not left alone, right? Um, basically, the moment he fucking leaves, Bacado just strolls up to the front door. And this is Charles Gray's big scene. He uh, decides he's going to talk to uh, Marie Eaton. And uh, this actress is great, too. I really like her in this role. But she, at first, is going to call her husband. But she's like, well, well, he has to stay with, with Simon, so I'm not going to do that. So they meet in the library. She's kind of, like, absentmindedly playing with uh, with one of Peggy's dolls. And this is where Mikata's like, hey, you've heard a lot about me. But it's not all true, you know? Um, I do, yeah, really like his trying to logically explain and then just be like, oh, morality, what mm-hmm. is it? And then intently looking at her. In magic, her there is yeah. neither good nor evil. It is merely a science, the science of causing change to occur by means of one's will. The sinister reputation attaching to it is entirely groundless and based upon superstition rather than objective observation. Etc. Etc. I'd say the whole thing, but I don't want to hypnotize our listeners. I, I'm um, already getting yeah, fuzzy. <laughs> but it's great. I this is the highlight of the movie. I think Charles Gray is so fucking good in this scene. Kind of like Christopher Lee, he just has that like authenticity, and so you mm-hmm. buy it. You get into the hip, hypnotic like rhythm of it. The way it's cutting between them is fucking brilliant. I think the editing in this movie is actually pretty fucking great, and I really like the way that Terrence Fisher directs this scene in particular. Uh, it just, like, really works as a piece of, like, hypnotic thing. And while you're getting this long monologue about uh, mysticism and his view of it, it's pretty fantastic. And then it ends with, like, you know, my will is yours at this point. You cannot function at least unless I say so. And then he asks where they're located. Um, he learns they're upstairs. And then great moment where we've... They kind of resisted, like, doing close-ups of the eyes until this point. But then you get a close-up of his eyes, like, as he turns his head upstairs and, like, is looking right down the barrel of the camera. It's it's pretty great. Um, he is then mind-controlling Rex and Tanith to attack Rex and Richard. Rex is asleep, so he doesn't notice Tanith standing alone with a knife. But Simon this starts to strangle Richard. Probably, yeah. yeah, one of the better like tension moments as Tanith has the knife and she's slowly yeah. coming over to Rex as he is asleep on like a chair. Yeah, exactly. So it's broken when Peggy walks into the room. She's like, "Oh, mummy!" And then Makad is like, "Well, I'm out of here." Just leaves because like uh, Marie snaps out of it. And she's like, "Get out." Tanith and and, and then she's uh, like she calls the butler to yeah. escort him out. He's like, no, no, I'm leaving. Yes. So Simon and Tanith all go back to sleep. Really fucking great, chilling line as Makata is leaving. He says, "I shall not be back, but something will. Something will come for Simon and the girl." And he pieces out. Fantastic. Tanith then is like, "Hey, I don't want to be here. I'm going to cause you guys trouble." So I'm going to leave, and Rex is like, okay, well, I'll go with you. I'll make sure he doesn't get you. Because he's thirsty. He's basically just falling for her immediately. Tanith, I get it. She's a... She's She's not bad looking Yeah, for that time period. She's probably a rich socialite as well. She's the closest thing you can get to a goth GF, you know? So I get Mm -hmm. it. Uh, So yes, uh, Rex goes with her. Nick comes back. 
And it's like, hey, man, he gets all upset. He's like, what? Tannen's gone. And Rex, too. What? What's going on? It's like, you were, where the fuck were you, man? <laughs> this is this is on you. You can't complain. You yeah. weren't here. Uh, so then he says, as long as it's light, it might be possible. But once the darkness begins to fall, uh, great smash cut to this. It just cuts to Tanith tied up in a barn, screaming. Um, really intense, like out of nowhere. And... Uh, Rex and Tanith are talking with him more. She says, Mikado will never risk himself in any way. He's not going to come at him with a gun or anything like that. Uh, he does everything through other people. This is then where we have the butler saying, I moved all the furniture like you instructed. And then they draw the circle. They're laying down in the circle. And this is <laughs> this is a really funny moment. They're laying down there. And like um, Richard is like, this is, this is stupid. I feel foolish. I don't want to be doing this. And... Uh, Nicholas explains that's Makata working through you, right? Mm-hmm. He's planting this doubt in your head and making you like not want to do this. It's no, like, as a, I don't as think a, that's necessarily, <laughs> but great moment though, where he's like, uh, you know, he's like, uh, you're our weakest link. And Richard's like, he says in a very high pitched voice, he's like, what? He's like, very offended at that, but a great read by that actor. Um, I just, I like, do love how it. Chris Furley's like this is or the actor's like this is foolish and Chris Furley's like no 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 yeah it's Makata this is one of those things though where like I said like if you the more you look into Dennis Wheatley like in his fucking views it's like oh any sort of skepticism is the work of the devil any kind of doubt (laughs) is evil and only furthering their claim so don't doubt it at all just take all of it on faith you know maybe Christians Uh, have been doing this for like a thousand mm -hmm. years Doubting oh, you Thomas, doubt me. you must yeah. be evil. Exactly. So, a uh, great moment though, where I love the atmosphere of this whole scene. You got the wind raging outside. Uh, the way the lights dim as like things start to happen. Uh, this is where they fucking encounter a giant spider. Oh, first we they hear a phantom Rex at the door, and then like a giant spider appears, and they're all like, well, "Isn't uh... yeah." The, well, I guess it's, yeah, it's after the spider is yep. in the Angel of Death. Yes. Um, okay. So the spider appears, and then a vision of Peggy walks in, and I actually, I do think this is pretty tense, where, yeah, the spider, it's iffy, but you you don't know that it isn't Peggy for a minute. And you're right. like, well, shit, their daughter's gonna be fucking eaten by a giant spider. And it, I well, do like... Well, that's the one thing. As soon as the daughter walks in, it's like, you didn't plan, like, you're just allowing her to they roam do, around the house they do say freely. They do say earlier where it's like, uh, the butler's like, oh, watch over Miss yeah. Peggy. Yeah. Yes. Um, but you, you're right. It, it is. I thought the same thing. Like, you could have, like, locked the door or something. We've already seen you can't trust the butler. They're going to take a cross off someone. Like, they don't exactly. know what they're doing. They're poor people. They're they gonna not no. They're not gonna. They're gonna. They're gonna not tell you that your father died by his own glider for many years and allow you to go crazy and become a goblin yourself. Butlers just are. Mm-hmm. You know, they overlook some things. Yeah. Uh, so they throw holy water at the vision of Peggy and the spider. They both vanish. The spider like goes up in steam. In the trivia for this on IMDb, it said that they used three spiders for this. One died under the heat of the of the lights. Uh, and a different Jeez. one that had, that had died earlier, they just poured acid on its body to dissolve it, which oh, will get the steaming. Yeah, not good, not good. Um, <sighs> the 60s, man. So, uh, 
then this is where, yes, the angel of death is summoned. You hear a bunch of uh, hooves galloping, and it rides into the room, and you get a winged knight on the back of a horse with a hood on. Pretty awesome visual. Really funny mm. editing, though. It's it's funny editing when, like, you have just, yeah. like, the shot played in reverse, like, over and over, the, yeah, the yeah. horse rearing up. Um, again, this is a credit to Dark Corner Reviews, but they talked about, apparently... This was an old circus horse that only had one working lung, um, which is maybe why they had to do some trickery with that footage. But pretty awesome. I still think it's pretty dang cool to have an angel of death itself there. Christopher Lee says, don't look at its face, avert your eyes. Uh, we see it's it got, takes a, off skeleton, a, mask. We got get a skeleton, skeleton. face. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Uh, so it's not getting anything from them. Or did they throw more holy water or something? I don't quite remember. But it no, I just, think this is where he they just kind of write it out, right? Oh, yes, he, yes. Oh, yeah, because I have it written here. Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, before this too, before it shows up, um, Richard is then the one to punch out Simon because Simon is like kind of going crazy and it's like you know, right? Uh, He's going to leave the out. circle. He can't leave the circle. So Richard is the one that punches him out this time. Uh, Nicholas says he can fight back using the last two lines of the Susama ritual. But he has to say them at the right time because they can alter time and space. And if said at the wrong time, they can destroy them as well as Makata. So you can't use them. Of course, I looked into the Susama ritual. It does not appear to be an actual thing from the occult. But um, there was another occult writer named William Hope Hodgson who wrote a series of short stories um, which and, uh, involved the supernatural. He had a similar ritual called the Sama ritual with three a's on the side of that m and it just could have just been wheatley was um uh referencing him with that so uh also the incantation that christopher lee then says to dispel the angel of death the last two lines of this ritual he did himself did a ton of personal research into the occult for this of movie course because of the director terence fisher was scared to because he was also very religious um christopher lee he wrote this incantation he uh, pieced it together out of Latin phrases, and this is his own his own addition to the movie, which is pretty neat. Um, he says to them, the angel of death disappears, but then suddenly Rex comes in holding Tanis' body, and we learn that the angel of death once summoned cannot return empty-handed, so it has to take something, so it takes Tanis. I think the reason it takes Tanis is we learn that, um, that uh, Makata is working through her. And so he probably used her to summon the angel, so that's why the angel took her. She didn't have to look at the face, it just happened automatically. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we learned Peggy's now gone, though. That she has been taken as this has all been going on. Again, this fucking butler, you know. Can't uh, trust poor people. Yes. Simon goes alone to try to get her back because of his guilt over all of this, getting everyone involved. Um, with, that, with very little explanation... Like, Nicholas just starts doing a resurrection ritual, or, like, a ritual to, like, summon Tana's spirit. Right. It's like a, uh, not a, uh, like a, a summonings type yes. ritual. Right. It was, uh, not a resurrection. Like, what do they call those? A seance. A seance, yes. Um, right. But I really like the way this is done. Again, a piece of authenticity, and I haven't seen much like this, but he's going through, like, he's like, you know... Uh, Gabriel behind me and Azrael in front or something like mm -hmm. excuse me something like that 
uh, he says, you know, I burn salt to summon you. I burn hair to summon you. Then he puts like a little like pan over this fire and puts blood in there. And he's like some blood to summon you. And so he like fries blood in this pan. Um, and he does sign of Osiris slain, sign of Osiris risen. I looked into this too. It's also, of course, referring to the Egyptian myth of Osiris, of who was the king of the gods, who was killed by his brother Set, who was then reassembled. He was cut into pieces, reassembled by his wife Osiris, uh, Isis, sorry, with the exception of his dick. That's the only piece of Osiris they didn't find. In the book, the kind of MacGuffin of the book, Makata is trying to locate a talisman that is a mummified penis. Um, I mm. guess... I guess uh, possibly implied to be Osiris's dick is like the MacGuffin of the book. They obviously cut that out of the movie. They did not want that to be part of it. Um, See, would have gotten another like full star yeah. had it been all about a mummified dick. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, this would go from five to six stars for me. That's not five stars. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, so Tanith, uh, she is now in the body of Marie, to use her as a vessel. She says she loves Rex, that she accepts Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, you know, of course. Um, they're trying to use her to locate Makata. She doesn't know, but she sees Peggy. She says, oh, but there's a winged serpent. I thought we were going to get a Quetzalcoatl, because that's what a winged serpent is, but no, we don't that get been cool. Well, there's, uh, I, I feel, it's so ridiculous, too. They're like, oh my god, where... He's missing. Where could he have gone? Like we have no idea. He literally went back to the fucking house they were at. Before. Well, it's not. It's not Rex's house, uh, or it's, it's not Simon's not, house. It's not Simon's house, but no. it's the house where like where he saw the cars. Rex gathered. was yeah. at at. It's one not that point. crazy yes. of a mystery. Yes, exactly. It's like there's three locations we've had in this movie. Maybe check those before you're like they could be anywhere. It makes a little more sense in the book because in the book, um, Makata is French. And uh, he takes them back to France. And so they mm. had to like find out where in France he went because they don't know. So uh, there's a little bit of like world traveling in the book that's not here in the, in the movie. So they, yeah, they figure out, oh, it's that house. Rex, of course, fucks up the ritual. And he yells at Tanith, you know, um, and she, her, her spirit vanishes. Uh, so they go back to this house. I really like the scene of uh, Simon arriving alone. All the doors just like, opened by themselves for him and he walks mm-hmm. in in silence we haven't even mentioned oh man because i just like because this is in silence but the music for this fucking movie is excellent i love the music for the time period they do i, I like a lot of the tension moments yeah um, i really like that yeah, main it's... riff yeah so it's composed by another hammer mainstay um james bernard is a composer. He composed the theme for a shitload of Hammer movies. He had a great influence on John Carpenter. John Carpenter cites him as like one of his his main like um, inspirations okay. for his his compositions. And uh, James Bernard had a very fun uh, like ethos when he was composing his music. He tried to compose his themes in the tune of the title. So like if you say the title to the tune of the music, it kind of matches up. So this one's like, so you can almost go, the devil rides out. It kind of fits. Artist, man. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I really like it. But when that movie starts and you get the fucking awesome credits, I think the credits for this movie are incredible. 
the opening and closing. It's, it's a bunch of satanic imagery and symbols set with the music. Like, it's it's pretty excellent. Anyway, Rex gets to the house. Simon gets to the house. Jesus Christ. Simon gets to the house, and uh, he walks in, and he tells Makata, hey, I'm here. You know, there's another ritual going on. Peggy's on the altar. He's like, you can release Peggy. You have me. And he's like, well, no, I have you, yeah, but also I want Tanith back. It's not exactly clear why he wants Tanith specifically, but he's right. like, I'm going to transfer. He, it's still like I need 13. Yeah, You're yeah. 13 now. Exactly. He's like, well, I'm going to transfer uh, Tanith's soul into Peggy, of course. She's an, you know, uh, she's a, a clean child. Like, it's going to be great for our purposes. Um so the others show up. This is pretty ridiculous. Like as an ending, like it's definitely it's a total de-escalation from the the attack earlier with the Angel of Death and all that. Yeah. But there's still some good moments. I like that like fucking Rex, like an idiot, tries to just bum rush him. The cultists like punch him out. You know. Then Richard a moment later tries the same thing. The cultists also just punch him in the gut and he goes down. Uh, I do like the like, oh, we're whittling it down. Yes. Whittling it down. And so, then it's just Nicholas I, and Nick is just like Marie. he has no plan for this. Like Nick is just standing there, and it's like no. she's like say the, she's like say the words again. And he's like oh, I can't. Uh, it's like okay, great, cool, man. You were so you know powerful before. Now you can't do shit. Um, it's like nobody can just like walk up and like fucking. I guess the cultists will attack you, but uh, whatever. Get a gun, Nicholas. Come on, man. Uh, so yeah, they're gonna sacrifice. Uh, Peggy, they're gonna kill her to put Tana's spirit in her. This is where he invokes Set. He's like, oh, the great Lord, Dark Lord Set. And of course, Set is the one that killed Osiris. Set, aka Seth, whatever. Uh, this is the thing that got me thinking, though. It's really weird. And Kill and I were actually discussing this uh, when we were talking uh, at another point. Um, uh, but it's very weird that, like, so this is based off of about a lot of Aleister Crowley's beliefs, like Thelema, right, is what his religion was called. And that incorporated a lot of Egyptian mythology. And so you're saying these are Satanists and they're invoking this Egyptian god. Is this not an acknowledgement that Egyptian gods exist? And doesn't that kind of go mm, against it like, like a Christianity? Christian god? Well, yeah. I guess it's the... Or I guess demons exist. the idea... Yeah, it's just an idea of a, like an evil darkness, and that throughout right. all of the religions there is that presence, and it, they may not have necessarily gotten it right, but they're like in a general term. So just another acknowledgement, but aside from Satan, there is another like dark lord, I guess, who is just set. But I don't know. To me, in my mind, the existence of set necessitates the existence of Osiris, which fucking like. Christopher Lee invoked earlier. So you're saying Osiris exists. He's the king of the gods and the Egyptian mythology. Demi gods. What the hell, man? I don't know. You, yeah, you're the one that picked this. All right, you need to like, <laughs> get this logic down. I tried. Last, I was doing so much reading last night about all of this. I know so much about Seth and Set now. Like, I read all this stuff. He wasn't even necessarily an evil god. He's part of that story, but he also at some point helped the gods out and slayed the serpent of chaos. I don't know. There's a lot of nonsense there. He was also a positive force in some ways. But also, the Egyptian fucking civilization went for 3,000 years, like which is insane to think about. Yeah. It's a long period of time. So who knows how he changed. Whatever. Anyway, I'm, we're going on way too long. <laughs> What's the end of this movie? Yes. So out of nowhere, 
just like Tanith, like her spirit takes over Marie again. And she says, only they who love without desire shall have power granted in their darkest hour. I guess this applies to Marie's love for Peggy, but that more sounds like it's talking about Rex's love for Tanith. Or maybe Tanith's love for Rex. I don't know. Whatever. She walks down. I thought it was cult- just Peggy's love of, of life in general, of maybe? like her mother and daughter. So that, so that, so, okay, that, uh, Peggy is important to what happens here. They don't explain it in the movie, but I, I found an explanation for this, kind of. Um, but basically, she walks down, the cultists just let her walk down there. And she's like, hey, Peggy, get up. Then Peggy gets up and she's like, repeat these words. And she repeats the incantation from earlier. Um, and the place just fucking explodes into a bunch of fire. And I don't know if it was a church at some point and they desecrated it. Um, I think that is an occult thing where, like, when you desecrate a church, it is a powerful place to then perform occult magic. So that's probably what happened here. But a cross is revealed and it essentially kills all the cultists. And then it's just mm-hmm. our, our good guy standing there above in front of the cross. So basically, the reason that probably worked, there's a passage from the book where uh, the Duke says the prayers of a virgin woman are amazingly powerful in such instances and the younger she is the stronger her vibrations you see a little child like her i think her name is fleur in the book so he says fleur here but peggy uh who is old enough to pray but absolutely unsoiled in any way is the nearest that any human being can get to absolute purity so Mm. prayers are more powerful coming from young children that's why this that's that's why this all happens and that's why i think it makes them go back in time because it's a, such a pure prayer, just is more powerful. So uh, yeah, they gotcha. go back in time. They just wake up back in the fucking Eaton's house, and he's like, "Well, it's over." But they notice Tanith's body is gone. Rex and Tanith come into the house arm in arm, and they're like, "Hey, everything's chill now. I, we did it." <laughs> and it's it's the way I it's just the way that they do it. And he's like, "It's not that it didn't happen. It's that yeah. it did, and we've changed things, and now." Uh, Makata is dead because the angel of death had to take something and if Tanith is back then he must be gone logically we are done movie end yes and it just ends with him saying yes you should thank god that's literally the last line of the movie so that's it the devil rides out I see all over the internet I read a lot of articles about this uh, it was Christopher Lee's favorite movie that he did ever, it seems like. <laughs> and he said in a lot of different places that he really, really wanted to do a remake of it uh, with modern day technology because there was so much they couldn't accomplish back then that they cut out from the book. And uh, I guess the Duke de Richelieu is much older than Lee is in this movie in the book. Yeah. And so he was like, hey, I'm the right age to play him now. But no one ever went for it. Um, I, you know, maybe if he had been like, I'll play Makata, he could have gotten, the, he could have gotten yeah. the money to do it. He though, I mean, he did it for decades after this, but he always kind of had a chip on his shoulder about playing villains. And so I think that he really is really proud of playing a hero in this one. And I think he does a fucking excellent job. I'm going to roll right into final thoughts here, but, um, I saw, well, I what see are we so going to rate it out of? I my idea of fried blood. <laughs> I, just I was like, gonna say giant spiders but fried blood okay yeah uh or i mean hey it's not in the movie but, but mummified penises mm, i feel like it's got to be in the movie fair unfortunately. enough unfortunately uh old circus horses <laughs> uh chauffeur hoses 
Ooh, I like that. That's good. Um, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Let's do giant spiders. I'll do giant. Giant spiders. spiders. Yeah. Um, giant spiders is good. I like that idea. So, uh, because fried bloods. How would you even brother? Yeah, this doesn't really work. So, uh, I yeah, I see all over the internet. People say this is Hammer's best movie. This is the peak of Hammer. I completely disagree. I think this is a good movie. Um, that I like quite a bit, and I watched it twice and had a good time watching it both times. And then, like, I had a lot of, a lot of, uh, I learned a lot researching this and looking into its, like, deeper implications <laughs> and, like, the stuff it was talking about, which is all authentic occult shit. Of course. Like, they don't sure. really make up anything yes. for this movie. It's very little, um, which I find really fascinating. And, like, this is an interesting movie in that regard, and that, like, it's fairly educational about actual occult practices. This came out the same year as Rosemary's Baby. And like I said, this was a popular movie. It was called The Devil's Bride in the U.S., where it didn't do as well, but I think it still had an audience, and it was changed because the U.S. distributors were like, it sounds like a Western. And so they changed it to The Devil's Bride. Uh, even as a quite track i uh, it does i mean both of them are not great titles in my opinion yeah because what's like devil's, devil's bride is out, better mean yeah yeah but it's uh you would you would want more of a succinct i'll let you finish your thought but you would want it to be like oh if it is going to be the devil's bride like it's going to culminate in a wedding i didn't really get that in yeah. my viewing totally so I can see how this is a very influential movie, and I think it probably did have a big hand, especially in Britain, of popularizing, uh, repopularizing, because Dennis Whitney's novels were very popular, but like uh, repopularizing like the kind of satanic panic that would follow in okay. the 70s and 80s. And so I think you maybe have this movie to blame for like a lot of that shit and people calling D&D evil and things like that. So I think this movie is very influential. I think I think there's... Many of the Dracula and Frankenstein movies that are much better than this, uh, also directed by, you know, it's not even, I don't think it's Terrence Fisher's best movie, but he does direct a shit out of it. So I think it's an entertaining watch and it's really interesting. And I think Christopher Lee is more than reason to watch this. Him and Charles Gray are the two big reasons to watch it. And they fucking kill it. They're, they're brilliant. I think there is some really good direction from Terrence Fisher. I love the set design. I think the music is fucking incredible. It's just not really, like, there's some problems in how the story is told, I think, and some of the acting from yeah. the people is kind of whatever. I don't think there's a bad performance, but it's just, like, you know, I think uh, Nick Nikki, who plays Tanith, I think she's pretty good. But, like, other than that, it's, like, everyone's kind of all right. Rex is fun, but, you know, whatever. Um, I'm going to say 3.7 uh, Giant Spiders. I like this. Okay. Not my favorite hammer, but I think it's pretty dang good. Uh, I I think I enjoyed Twins of Evil much more. Mm. I I wish I liked this movie like you do. Like I feel like there are there are some interesting performances. Chris Lee is obviously good in what he's doing. I do like the Rex guy, and Mikado's very fun. Um, that's, that's my problem with Hammer. Very fucking stuffy. This is a rich people one percenters problems. I, uh, you know, and that that can work. I just, I don't know if they tried to ground any of that in reality. Maybe could could be more helpful, like a modern take on it uh, would do well and maybe get the butler more to do or like not as fucking useless and keeps 
you know, doing everything wrong. Um, yeah, you know, some some gr- not great effects, but for the time, there's interesting. The spiders is kind of the thing. I was like, "What is this? This is hilarious." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it didn't it didn't really pay out well don't really like the it's all a dream ending and then they're like no it wasn't all a dream it was all a dream all right we <laughs> we get it we know uh i'm 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 going to two giant spiders it's not the worst i've ever seen it's just definitely a lot of problematic like you said the gandalf problem like he yep. just goes away they don't really have reasoning in the story yeah to do all these things uh bad titles I, I, a reboot of this could be done fairly well, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think uh, I think that's all fair enough. You know, I uh, I think it's 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 definitely a more interesting movie in its context, and like uh, you know, what is it's talking about is more interesting than the movie itself. I would say. Yeah. Because, but uh, as you said, the, Rosemary's Baby came out the same year, and yeah. this, there's like. A, a fucking Grand Canyon Valley between the quality of those two type, yeah, like storytelling alone. Yeah, totally. I I would agree. I do think that um, as much as I love Hammer movies and I love Terrence Fisher, there is often sometimes like they were constantly limited by budget restrictions and censorship. I think censorship in the in, in the UK was much harsher at this point than it was in the US, and so they were always being hit with like what they can and can't do, removing things. Uh, but even aside from that, part of its problem is like just the source material, you know, I think in terms Mm -hmm. of its story too. So, uh, Dennis Waitley seems like a real piece of shit and I'm kind of conflicted as to whether I want to read his stuff now because it seems like, like his stuff was super influential. Um, but I don't know if I want to (laughs) like sit through all his bullshit about like anti-socialism and anti-communism and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the problem. A lot of great artists were not great yep. people. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, I get more worried the more I learn about Christopher Lee and the and this stuff. So you, know. <laughs> you should oh, well. stop. Yeah, shut this <laughs> down. Stop, now. stop looking into it. Stop looking. Don't look into it. No, no, no. Uh, hey, reportedly, reportedly a very nice guy to work with, though. I mean, like you know, PJ loved working with him and stuff like that. Professional, so. right? Yeah, right. Tim Burton worked with him all the time, and he seems to, in his older age really grabbed onto like his legacy and you know kind of turned a corner in terms of like okay well people know me as dracula i'm dracula whatever fuck it i'll play a count for star wars you know like uh mm-hmm. yeah he stopped he stopped being as stuffy i suppose you know those were Murph's and I's thoughts on the devil rides out um this is the part where typically in a two-person episode uh, oh hey look i see right there kill is fading to existence but Oh, there's a the Christopher Lee just ran in and threw a cross at her. She's gone. Mm-hmm. Shit. I really wanted to hear her thoughts. Oh, uh, it, it was just like a glass of water. That yeah. was the weird thing. It's like it's not even <laughs> a, like a religious, you know, artifact. It's just water. And she just poofed out of existence in one of the hardest cuts you've ever seen. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so that was the devil rides out. Unfortunately, Kill is not here to give her thoughts. But um. Hopefully we'll hear those uh, sometime soon in the future. But until then, Murph, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us and shit online? Yeah, thank you all for listening. You can get us uh, email weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. 
Uh, we have both Twitter and Instagram, both at Weekly Massacre. Hit us up. Let us know if you've ever been part of a 13-person party uh, or if you arrived <laughs> at a 13-person party and then was asked to leave. Uh, you if go. you've ever found chickens in a hamper. If, mm, if you've tried to strangle yourself with your own <laughs> cross necklace. Let us know. I would I would actually That's really bleak. like to know about that one. That is bleak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, until next time, the proof is in the hamper. <laughs> until next time. Uh, hmm. God damn, I was trying to remember some chant he does, but it's also fucking crazy. It's all Latin. Yeah. Or, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Osiris slain. I don't know. <laughs> Hail Satan. Hail Satan. We had to bring Hail, that back. Hail, Hail Satan. Hail Satan. How Hail could Satan. we... Oh, man. All right. Next time. Bye, everybody. <laughs>